Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is Norway. Norway is a remarkable country that has time and time again been used as the poster child for a socialist, capitalist, mixed economy done right. The country boasts one of the highest GDPs per capita in the world, falling only behind Switzerland and a select group of micronations. The country has a robust trade surplus, one of the highest national life expectancies, an extremely skilled workforce with one of the highest proportion of university graduates of any country in the world, a very, very low unemployment rate, and international recognition as a place that is very easy to do business. What is more remarkable is that Norway has achieved this while also being one of the most economically equal countries in the world. After taxes, a single individual from the bottom 20% of income earners in Norway still earns on average a quarter of what their top 20% income earner would. Now, this still sounds pretty unfair, but compared to the OECD average, which has top fifth earners making an income 10 times that of their bottom fifth counterparts, this four times disparity is remarkably equal. The good news keeps on coming when considering working conditions. Norway has extremely robust workers' protections, meaning that social issues like working extremely long hours or people needing second jobs to support themselves is very rare. In fact, the OECD Better Life Index notes that only 3% of employees work very long hours when compared to the OECD average of 11% or the American average of 33%. All of this contributes to the citizens of Norway being some of the happiest in the world, despite their country looking like this for half the year. So, what is their secret? Norway, by all standards, should be the model that most citizens would want to replicate in their own countries. So, why haven't other countries adopted similar economic policies to those in Norway? Is this country just a lucky outlier? Or could this success be replicated in other economies around the world? Well, the truth is that Norway wasn't always this prosperous. This is Norway in the 1960s. It was an economy mainly based on fishing, with a GDP similar in size to underdeveloped countries like Bangladesh or Nigeria. Now, in fairness, Norway's population was and still is far smaller than these other countries, and the average Norwegian back then had a quality of life similar to their European neighbours in Spain or Greece. But Norway in the 1960s was still a far cry from the economic powerhouse it is today. This all started to change though in May of 1963, when the Norwegian government asserted sovereign rights over natural resources in this area of the North Sea. This was basically the government saying that this ocean here This is ours now. Oh, if we happen to find any oil here, that's ours too. Now, fortunately, Norway was a member of NATO, and so it did not get the uh, freedom treatment 
that other countries did when they tried out this nationalising business in the 1960s. But six years later, in 1969, a ship called the Ocean Viking struck oil in the North Sea. And from that, oil production in the region exploded. Because they found a lot of oil. Like a lot a lot. Like 1.6 million barrels a day a lot. This meant that in the mid-1970s, Norway produced more oil per capita than any other country in the world. And even today, it is only beaten out by Kuwait, the United Arab Emirates, and Saudi Arabia. Now, I know what you are thinking, and no. This is not a story about another country that just got rich off oil, and now everybody in the country is living like a freshly signed NFL player. It is actually the opposite. Rather than getting drunk off the oil wealth they had discovered, the Norwegian government was very prudent with the revenue from these finite resources. The oil boom caused Norway's GDP to grow over five times in the 1970s, growing from $12 billion to $65 billion in this period. But this newfound wealth was not being generated through private companies like Shell, Exxon or BP, but rather a publicly run and owned company called Statoil. This meant that the profits from oil and natural gas sales were not going to fill the pockets of private shareholders, but rather directly to the government. This made the Norwegian government very, very rich, meaning that if they wanted to, they could have easily gone on a public spending spree, building fancy cities and public infrastructure, while also reducing taxes just like many other countries have done in a similar position. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. This kind of approach would have been very popular amongst citizens because short-term, it meant less taxes and a booster quality of life. But they didn't. And today, income and business taxes in Norway are still amongst some of the highest in the world. Fortunately for Norway, the government had the foresight to realise that oil wealth was not forever, and that the citizens of Norway would not be satisfied if they had to go back to fishing in a generation's time. So, the government invested the money into a piggy bank. A very large piggy bank called a Sovereign Wealth Fund. In fact, this is the largest sovereign wealth fund in the world, beating out China's State Investment Corporation, which is remarkable considering that China has a population 270 times larger than Norway's. This is a fund that belongs to the people of Norway. The rationale is that this oil and these natural resources were originally the property of the Norwegian people, 
and so it is they who should receive the revenue from the sale of those resources. This means that every man, woman and child who is a citizen of Norway essentially has around $200,000 invested into what is a giant hedge fund. Now, this money is unfortunately not accessible by these citizens to spend on gold-plated Lamborghinis or superyachts. The money itself is actually not even accessible to the Norwegian government. In fact, only the profit generated from these investments is used to fund things like education, which helps to explain the very skilled workforce, a very strong welfare system, public infrastructure, and of course, reinvestment into the fund itself. In 2017, the fund made an incredible 131 billion US dollars from its investments. Now, this fund is a very diverse portfolio of stocks, bonds, cash, commodities, but what it does invest in is not nearly as interesting as what it does not invest in. The Norwegian government set up an ethical council that oversees investing decisions of all of the fund, and it has excluded investing in things like weapons manufacturers, tobacco companies, and companies that have caused severe environmental damage, or companies that have breached workers' rights and labour laws. Additionally, in an effort to diversify where they get their money from, the fund is also forbidden to invest in fossil energy companies. Perhaps most interesting of all, is that there is one country on the planet that is expressly forbidden to invest. And you could probably hazard a guess as to what that is. Yeah. That's right, it's good old no Norway. This means that all of the investments of this fund are actually in foreign companies, securities and commodities. Now, despite the massive political power that gives Norway to influence foreign companies, it also means that the fund's performance is independent of the Norwegian economy. Now, this fund was a fantastic piece of forethought by the Norwegian government and practically means that Norway is now the national equivalent of the guy that wins the lottery, keeps his day job, and invests his money into a stock portfolio. It certainly is not as cool and it does not get as much attention as blowing it all on bombastic displays of wealth, but it does mean that they will be safe and secure for generations to come. To finish it up, it is only fair to look at some of the economic issues that are present in Norway. First and foremost is that it still has an incredibly high cost of living compared to wages. Given the very high taxes, the average Norwegian worker is bringing home about 3200 US dollars a month. Now, this is far higher than the US average of 2730 US dollars per month, but it does not go nearly as far because Norway is an expensive place. A mid-range restaurant meal in America tends to run about $50 for two people without drinks. In Norway, expect to be paying about $92. A monthly utility bill for US gas, electricity, water and garbage is expected to be about $130. That same bill in Norway is $176. A new, very basic family car such as a base model Volkswagen Golf can easily be had in America for around $20,000. In Norway, that same car would cost you $36,473, which is particularly ironic given the proximity to where these cars are actually manufactured. Now, the citizens of Norway do almost universally agree though that they are happy to put up with these high taxes and this incredibly high cost of living for everyday items because in return, they do not have to worry about serious economic hardship. 
Nobody in Norway is going to go bankrupt because of a medical situation. Nobody has to worry about taking on crippling debt to get an education. And they do not have the fear of being homeless if they lose their jobs. So, is Norway really the perfect economy? Should it be what every treasurer hangs a poster of above their bed to look at at night? Well, no, not really. To anyone who has watched this channel before, all two of you, you will know that I am a huge fan of planned social democratic economic systems, and Norway is a great example of such a system. They have done everything right with the opportunities that they have been given, but they were still extremely lucky. And expecting that every country can get to where Norway is today just by copying and pasting their current government fiscal policies is foolish. That being said, if you do find yourself in charge of a country that has won the oil lottery or is riding the high of any other economic boom, Norway really should be the framework that you are working on. Thanks for watching guys. As always, all of the references for this video are in the description along with my email if you have any other further questions about what has been said here. The world is constantly changing and transforming. Cut through some of the noise with What's New with Wired, a podcast that goes in-depth on the latest news and technology and culture. Their award-winning journalism will help you make sense of what's happening in the world. Listen to What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts. That's What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts.